Today on episode four of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, we're talking to Kevin Birchelman. Uh, you might not like it at the time. Might hurt a little bit. You might do a kind of abrupt double take and say, did you just say that to me? You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Welcome to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. I'm Randy Lane. This week on the show, we travel down to Houston, Texas for a poolside talk with Kevin Birchelman, CEO and founder of Triangle Performance, a business consulting firm with a no-nonsense approach. Without further ado, here's Chip. I'm here with Kevin Birchman. Uh, we're in Spring, Texas, actually at his home, uh, right out in front of the pool. We got sun in our eyes, but we're going to try and make it happen. We're going to talk to Kevin a little bit about his background and history and that kind of stuff. So, Kevin, obviously, you had a a very long, successful career in corporate America. What in the world caused you to say one day, you know what, I'm going to quit this successful career and go out and launch my own firm? Trust me, I've probably had days where I wondered that myself, but. Uh you know, the reality was the last two or three jobs I had, all very senior level positions, and I enjoyed them a lot. I like I like the ability to impact entire organizations like that. But the last job I did was a Chapter 11 turnaround. Um, and if you haven't done that before, I recommend you never doing that. It's uh, there was nothing. There's nothing really fun about it once you really got into the into the noise, into the mix. That kind of reminded me that what I liked about working inside. The corporate environment, particularly at the senior level, was the ability to impact entire organization. What I didn't like about working inside an organization was all the other stuff. You know, all the maintenance you have to do, all the all the constant attention to to trivia that must take place, and and it has to take place. You know, I say it like it's a really bad thing, but it has to occur in any organization. Most of what even senior people do in an organization day after day is blocking and tackling. You know, it's not high-level strategy and seat-at-the-table stuff. You know, that stuff is, that stuff sets the stage and the direction, and of course it likes to create a vision, but that's really not what you do all day. Well, I wanted to do that all day. <laughs> and you, can, you just don't get to do that when, you're, when you also have to take care of the day-to-day stuff. So uh, the advantage now is, is most people don't want to pay me to come do day-to-day stuff. They, they just want me to come in and help them with impactful things, and I like doing the impactful. Yeah. So that was kind of the driver behind setting out on my own anyway. Um, it was a good decision. It's a good decision for me. You know, I've worked with hundreds upon hundreds of people that have an entrepreneurial spasm, as I call it. They decide they're getting downsized, right size, whatever you would call it. So they say, you know what, I'm going to start my own firm. And they last a year or two, and then they go get another job. But you've been doing this a long time now. So obviously you're past the interested part. You're very committed to this. What do you think separates your firm from the majority that are in the consulting business for a year or two and then fade? I think there are probably several things. I can't speak to why others don't make it. I think I have some idea. I've seen some. I've talked to some like you. I think some of the, first and foremost, my business is a business. And you can never forget that. So I work with clients who run businesses, and I run a business. I have payroll to make. I have cash flow concerns sometimes. I have taxes that I have to pay, you know, and I, I have expenses. And I, I have all those things that make up a normal business. So I, those things exist, and I manage them like a business. And I think that's probably, that's probably at the very top. 
um, other things, a lot of people, particularly senior level people, believe that that uh, all the stroke and and uh, and business card and cachet they had when they were in house translates immediately when they step out the door, and everyone's going to beat the door down and come come talk to them. Um, I mean, that's just not quite true. When you are when you're in an inside role and you're maintaining and you're helping do, uh, like I mentioned earlier, some of the administrative things that keep the organization going, it's a different skill set. When you when you're out exposed, when you're in the open, and you have to, everything you has you do has to add value. Um, it's it's a different world. I mean, it's an entirely different world, and uh, some people can measure up to it, and some can't. I think an, another aspect that gets lost sometimes on on people who are independent consultants is they really they kind of convince themselves they're like a hired gun. You know, you need somebody to shoot, call me. You know, and I'll come shoot for you, and then I'll leave. Well. It's not really, you know, even in the Wild West, they didn't really want someone shot. They wanted a problem taken care of. <laughs> you know, if, if your only answer to every, to every problem is to shoot them, well, that, that's okay, I guess. But you're kind of limited <laughs> in what you're, what you're going to do. I think, I think in reality that you have to be able to address a problem. You find out what the problem is. You identify it. You find the best way to get to it. And you add value by helping them solve it. But you don't approach everything, everything like a hired gun. You're not, you know. From a verb perspective, you, you do need to partner with the client. Maybe we aren't partners because they're still paying me to come in and provide a value-added service. But we do have to partner with them to help achieve that value. Yeah. Well, as we know, we work with organizations. You know, the culture of an organization is critical. Leadership drives that. What would you describe the culture of your business being? An on-purpose culture that you've created. What's it like working with Triangle Performance? I don't want to set the impression that I've got this uh, sprawling firm on multi-floors of a building and parking lots and stuff like that. Key cards, you got to swipe <laughs> to get in. You know, it's, it's not that. There are three of us right now, and and uh, and we stay we stay busy, and and we are geographically separated, all three of us. So there's not an office somewhere where we all get to mill about and have a cup of coffee and say, hey, how's how's it going? You know, how was dinner last night? You know, we have those conversations, but they're via telephone, Skype, or things like that. Culture-wise, I. I think it's important to realize that one of the differentiators of triangle performance is is the people involved. You know, a consulting firm is not a firm first, it's consultants first, it's people first. And you can never forget that. You know, I always cringe when I would hear people in my past talk about, well, we need to get someone like McKinsey or someone like Bain or someone like that. And I, I never did get that. I'm like, you're you're hiring a firm. Don't don't do that. You know, reach out and hire someone specifically who you believe can add value, but the value is a personal value, so, so it's different than that. We focus on a lot of individualism when it comes to value. Uh, we push back on each other a lot. There's no one person expert or, or, you know, a holy grail of information or data or only my facts or the real facts. You know, it's, I won't say we argue, though we do, you know, yeah. but I won't really <laughs> say we turn them into arguments. We, we just, uh, we have healthy dialogue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, and we know that to grow, we have to continue to add value. About 70% of our business year over year is repeat business. And that doesn't happen if you don't add value. Yeah, so we have to add value. And to make sure we add value, we're continually pushing back, trying to do better, changing what we're doing, innovating, doing different things, listening, reading, studying, uh, asking our clients. But so we're, we're inquisitive, we're reasonably innovative. I say reasonably not to qualify and say we're less. I say it because most of what we do is leadership. 
leadership hadn't changed much in a couple thousand years. Occasionally a new author comes along and, and produces a nice glossy hardback and takes what you've been doing for 15 years and puts a little spin on it, calls it something different yeah. and sells it. Then you read it and say, wow, I must be smart. You know, I've been doing this 15 years. Well, that's because you have, you know, it's, it's not new. So when I say innovative, I don't necessarily mean brand new. It's really kind of a different way to do things that we, some of the things we've already been doing, finding a different way to execute and implement. We are innovative to the extent that we can and should be in the environment that we serve. We're, we're very inquisitive. So we question a lot. We question each other. We question what other people are doing. We question what we read. You know, we'll read something and just, you know, it's on the internet, it must be true. You know, we question a lot of that stuff. So we're very inquisitive. Frankly, we're pretty darn forceful. It's not for the weak at heart uh, to work around, around us. It's not. That makes for, can make for dizzying arguments sometimes or discussions, but the client's better served. We'll stand up in front of a client and say, I think you're wrong. I think what you're doing is wrong. You don't have to take my advice, but you gotta hear it. That's interesting because people that don't know what they don't know when they think of consultants or trainers which we get labeled a lot they think of trainers as the big group hug warm fuzzy squishy ball everybody gets a trophy kind of mentality but what you're explaining pushes back against that concept so when you say you're in the leadership business i instantly think training how is that different right. we're not trainers we're just not. We're not talking heads. We don't stand up in front of a room. We, we do have content that we use. You know that very well. You know, we use yours. So we, we have content that we use. And we follow it loosely. And the reason I say loosely is our, we facilitate. The big joke is what's the difference between a trainer and a facilitator? And you say, oh, it's about 100 bucks an hour. You know, it's, I guess there's probably some truth to that. The skill set required to facilitate is probably a little bit higher than traditional training. But the reality is the, there's more that goes into it. Let's say, just for an example, a trainer and I want to approach a group and, and we want to cover leadership communications, how to better communicate as a leader. A trainer's going to go in, typically, he's got four points, five points. He's going to give you an overview. It's going to include the objectives. He's got four or five main points. He's going to make those points, flesh them out a little bit, maybe have one or two exercises. At the end, everybody goes, ready, break. And, and there is some value to that. There's some utilitarian value to that. It's not the long-term impactful value, but it, there's some utilitarian value to that. Knowledge. You know, knowledge is always a good thing, um, even if it's fleeting for some of us sometimes. Facilitated session, I may go in there with the same stuff. I may go in there with with objectives, because I always, you have to talk about learning objectives, people have to know the roadmap. I may have four or five points, but because the conversations are so interactive and so facilitated, so facilitative, that we may get, you know, halfway through main point number two. You know, we may not make it anywhere further than that. That may be the best place to be, and the, the conversation, the dialogue, the interactions are just too valuable to leave it. And I think the ability to do that on the fly, to, to say, okay, this is a great conversation. What about, and how do we connect it? And, you know, well, what about when we talked the last time we, can, you know, we did this and this? Can we connect this to today's conversation? And the challenges that I know you're facing, when you facilitate, it is, it is different. It is different. It's not the same thing as training. I don't want to disparage training because it's a necessary piece. And frankly, any facilitative effort includes some training. So, you know, I don't want to say training doesn't occur. Good Lord. The goal is not to train. The goal is to facilitate a conversation where people can learn something relevant to them. Going back to my 
communications example. Leadership communications, um, there are books. You could read a book. Well, why don't you just read a book? Well, okay, that's not working real well for them. The next step, you know, well, let's talk about it over lunch. Okay, so we'll talk about it over lunch. That, that, that's a little better. Still not much. Well, let's get some training. Let's get some good trainer in here on communication, teach us how to communicate. Well, that's, that's good, too. It's a set, you know, a, a set kind of group of skills to learn, methodology. Those are all good things. But then most importantly, we, when you facilitate, you say, I'm going to take these skill sets and I want to make them relevant to the eight, nine, ten people in this room based on what they're doing today, the challenges today, the things they're facing, the issues they're facing, the opportunities that they have in front of them. I'm going to tie them directly into that. I'm going to drag it out of you and make you talk about it and, and make you help make that connection. So yeah. it's a little bit different. You know, I'm sitting here thinking all the stuff that you're talking about is wonderful, but what if in my organization it's not running as effectively as I want it to, but I'm not really sure I need to hire somebody like you or a trainer or anything else. What's the real value? If I'm gonna invest time and money, why would I invest time and money with Triangle versus not doing anything at all? Well, it's funny you mentioned not doing anything at all because in my world, if I'm sitting down and speaking with someone uh, about a real challenge that they have, some pain, potential opportunity, my biggest competitor is not another firm. It's not those Baines or McKinsey's or even the Accenture's or anybody like that. My biggest competitor is inertia, you know, the do-nothing. Hey, it hadn't been that bad. I mean, we've had some decent success. I mean, yeah, maybe he can come in and help. Maybe he can't. Maybe I'll just sink a few thousand bucks and still be right where I am. Those are all very real considerations. I think when you start investigating, one of the things you have to investigate, I mentioned earlier about, it's not a firm, it's individual consultants. The individual consultants uh, at Triangle Performance are all a little bit unique. I don't want to say we're old, but we're experienced. We've all held senior level positions, uh, and I do mean senior. I, I mean hundreds of people that we've had that we've been responsible for at any given time. So that's a distinction. We did not learn about a lot of what we're doing by reading a book or going or googling the you know the situation. We learned a lot of it by sitting behind the desk on the side that our clients are on and wringing our hands and being concerned and staying up till nine o'clock at night. Also, so we're different that way. We're also different in that in that our clients have access to all of us. The fee doesn't change. And I tell, I tell clients all the time, a unique component of our business is that when we finally agree on a fee, when you and I can agree on a fee, that's it, that's it. You need to talk to me at nine o'clock at night to pick up the phone and call me. If I'm still awake, I'll answer the phone and I'll talk to you. If I'm not, I'll call you when, I'm, when I wake up. But, but you have 24-7 access to it. So you have 24-7 access to some pretty smart people. And I don't say smart because our IQ is so high. I say smart because we came from where you sit today and have developed those skills while we were in-house. But now we're kind of on a rapid-fire experience track because we see constant clients and potential clients all the time. So we're forever looking at new situations, new challenges, and new opportunities. You know, we're forever seeing those things. When we tell a client or something like, well, it's been my experience, that's a pretty significant comment. That's not just a kind of a verbal pause that I'm using to fill some space. It, it covers a lot of ground. Yeah. It covers more than the three, four, even six, seven, eight companies that people might work for in their career. It might cover 100 companies. It might cover 65, 75, 80 executive teams. The distinction, I think, is that we bring to the table proven track record of doing exactly the things that we're talking to you about. And I think that's a little bit different. It's not based on a, a promise. It's based, you know, they say mutual funds, you know, that past performance is no guarantee of future performance. But I got to tell you, it's all you got. 
You know, it's all you got to look at is past performance. Prior performance matters, and our prior performance pretty damn significant. You know, Kevin, over the years, I've hired a number of consultants or training firms to come in and work with my company. You know, what can I expect when I hire Triangle Performance or Kevin Birchelman or anybody on your team? For starters, you and I are going to agree on where we're headed. We're not headed someplace I said we're headed. We're headed where you want to go. Earlier we talked about a hired gun and the problem with being a hired gun is you shoot people and people don't always want people shot. Sometimes they just want a problem to go away. So if you're a hammer looking for a nail, then you're always a hammer, you're always looking for a nail. We don't come in to a client or a potential client, we don't walk in the door saying, here's our bag, we've got these two tool bags, and, and you start talking to us, and when I think I got it, I'm gonna stop you, and then I'm gonna reach in my bag, and I'm gonna say, I can fix this. That's not how it's gonna work. It's gonna work, we're gonna find out where your real challenges are. I can't tell you how many times I've had a client say something like, Kevin, we need some leadership training. I'm like, okay, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Let's have a conversation. You know, maybe you need to coach a couple of people. Maybe you got one flaming jerk, and because of that flaming jerk, you think the only way you can fix it is by getting everybody in, in a room and training them. I don't know, but let's talk about it. Let's find out why you say that. Potential clients, existing clients, my Lord, they'll tell you that one of the most consistent and sometimes irritating questions they hear from me is when I ask him, what's your evidence of that? I want to know why you said what you said. You know, he doesn't play well with others. Well, what's your evidence of that? You know, three people from a third-hand conversation have come to you and say you don't play well with others. I'm not buying it. First thing we do is we establish the value that you're really trying to get. There's some challenge that you face. There is some change in your life as the hiring ex person that hires us, our, our actual buyer. There's something you want to be different. And it's probably not just trained managers. You want the results of those trained managers. You want whatever, whatever the end game is. That's what you're looking for. That's my job to help find it. So that's what we do in a firm. First, we make sure that we identify that. Second thing you can expect, whew, honesty. Honesty to the point of being comical sometimes. I mean, it'll, you'll get honesty. You won't always want it, but you'll always get it. You know, the advantage of any advisor, especially an advisor to senior executives, is sometimes the advice is taken, sometimes not. That's your choice. I don't have execution control in your organization. You don't have to do what I ask you to do or advise you to do or tell you to do, but I get to make the choice what I'm gonna tell you. You're always going to get honesty from myself, Kevin Ross, Bo Carrington. You're, all, you're always gonna get honesty from them. Uh, you might not like it at the time, might hurt a little bit. You might do a kind of abrupt double take and say, did you just say that to me? But I have found that most senior people are pretty busy. Uh, I am. You are. I can take 30 minutes to say something to make sure that I don't accidentally touch on some nerve or feeling that you have, or I can say it in seven seconds. Which would you prefer? I can say it in seven seconds, then I'll clean it up a little bit to make sure I, you didn't, you know I didn't mean anything malicious, but, but I'm not taking the 30 minute route. If you want 30 minute route, you're gonna have to hire somebody else. I'll say that clearly up front. We're committed to your success. We're not, we're not going away until we've, we've done what we said we're gonna do. If that takes more effort on our part, so be it. But we're not going to go away until we've done what we said we're going to do. Giving you the value that we've promised you. That's a hallmark of us. That's something you can count on. You can count on uh, two things toward the end, too. There's, I like doing business with existing clients. So I'm hoping to show enough value that you want to continue working with me, maybe in some other fashion. So it's, it's in my best interest to really, really max out the value that I can show you. That's my hope. 
Also, I might ask you once or twice if you'd refer me to someone. I can't do that if I haven't provided the value. So we're big on value. We talk about value a lot. We, a client gets our attention when they call us and say, I'm not sure that I'm getting the value. It's only happened once so far, and I think that was a misunderstanding, <laughs> but, but, but that's the way to get our attention. That's the way to get our attention. When someone says, I'm not sure I can connect what you're doing to the value you promised me, yeah. uh, that's a good way to get our attention. Well, Kevin, I've known you a long time, and, and because I've known you a long time and we're still friends, obviously the chemistry between us works. Have you ever worked with a client or worked with an organization where you went in with very clear goals and aspirations, but yet the chemistry just wasn't there? And Short answer is yes. And we tend to find a way for both of us to, to extricate ourselves from the situation. So it doesn't work. It doesn't work. If we're kind of butting heads from a character and personality standpoint, you're not going to like my advice and I'm going to get irritated when you don't follow it. So it's kind of a lose-lose situation. I ask clients to sign an engagement letter when they work with us and that engagement letter really just spells out what we're going to do, what we can expect from each other. If I'm not delivering value, I don't expect someone to keep paying my invoices. I don't. You know, that's, and just because they've committed to pay something in the future, it's probably unlikely I'm going to hire a team of lawyers to go chase them down. I think it's, look, I'm not seeing value from you. Okay, let's talk about it. If I can't change your perception, then, then that's where we are. So either direction, I think. The reason I say it happens so seldom isn't because we just take any business. It's because I am who I am. And Kevin Ross is who he is. And Bo is who he is. And we, we keep that out front all the time. We don't wear a bunch of different personas. You know, you don't have to wonder who you have today and who they're acting for or something. You know, we don't do that. You know, we, we say what's on our mind. We say it the way we want to say it. And if that bothers you, don't hire us. You know, that's my best advice I can give you. If, if you think, if you've read the content that we have on websites and newsletters and you've talked to people who said, yeah, well, you can be a little bit assertive and, you know, you better really be ready for honesty. And if you get stuff like that and you're saying, well, you know, maybe, I, I recommend no. I recommend no because it's, it's a different world. I mean, I, it's, we're accustomed to dealing with people that really want to really solve a kind of a value challenge they have. Let's say I've never hired a a firm like yours before, and you've given me an idea of what I can expect in terms of culture and personality and deliverable, but really break it down to the nuts and bolts. Are we, do we do sessions? Do you do coaching? Do, you know, do we just email? How, how does it work when I start with your firm? My short flippant answer is, do you really care? And I mean that sincerely. If you and I agree on a challenge, uh, an opportunity that you have, a problem, all you really want is the problem to go away. So do you really care how to make the problem go away. If we can make your problem go away, but we don't kill anybody in the process, <laughs> are you okay with that? If so, then, then why wouldn't you want that? So the reason I tell you that is, is we'll use a combination of things. We'll use a combination of facilitated sessions where we'll have a group, if, it, if it's appropriate for, for whatever we're doing, uh, we may facilitate some sessions with group, preferably a homogeneous group where everybody has generally the same issues, challenges, and concerns. But we'll facilitate some session there because it's, it's more cost-effective. You know, we can ramp up the learning in a shorter period of time. We may also do some coaching, some individual executive coaching. Many of you have experienced it. You have. Um, and so, so we'll do some of that as well. And we're kind of unique in that regard as well. We do some process consulting, some organizational consulting. Um, we'll make sure that the processes are helping leadership, the various processes, not just simple ones. You know, we've worked with firms on 
on, on their purchasing process before. And, and I don't know a whole lot about purchasing, you know, other than my wife purchases a lot. So I don't, I don't know much about, you know, corporate purchasing processes. But I know a lot about managing processes. And I know a lot about finding bottlenecks and problems and issues and processes. So my flippant answer is always, do you really care? But, but the following is there are some things that we do. And the reason I hesitate to always list them specifically is not to be cagey. It's to keep you and I both understanding that this is, this is a dynamic you know, event. When it, we've had an issue that we have not fixed, we have a challenge we have not been able to overcome. So I can't swear to you on a sheet of two sheets of paper that I can outline this five steps and make it go away. I can tell you that we're gonna start with this and, and kind of see where it takes us and we're gonna head toward our goal. But we may change gears. We may take a different approach. We talked about all the time the difference between training someone and developing someone. And training typically has a start-stop point where development can last forever. So do you, do you ever get inside of an organization on a short-term project that turns into a, a longer-term development system? Y yes, uh, I do, but, but not because we intentionally said, let's make this as long-term as we can. I think a lot of short-term engagements where people reach out to firms like ours and they bring us on for what appears to be a short-term engagement. I think a lot of times those are tests. Those are, I have bigger issues, I don't know if you're it. Right. You know, so here's something that's not too, you know, it's not too hazardous, you know. If you screw it up, you're not gonna kill me, and if you help me, it'll be great. And so I think oftentimes those short projects are kind of tests. I think people who contact Triangle Performance have a specific direction of challenge of, of overcoming challenges that they want to take or they'd call someone else if they want to just fix it with their operating process they'd call someone who does production or operation consulting they're not they're talking to someone who does leadership for a living so i i think they they're already thinking in a direction that the the impact that leadership has is greater than what they're getting today i think that's why they reach out so i think some of them turn into lengthier projects for probably two or three reasons. One, just like I mentioned, their test. They had other needs. They just were kind of holding back until they saw if I could pass their test or not. And that's okay. I mean, that's smart. I used to do the same thing. I, I, I can even recommend that approach. I think other ways it occurs is as we're going through the process, we identify some things. We say, look, you don't have to use us, but you've got some challenges over here that uh, this group or this person, they probably need some pretty substantial additional development, and you should know that. Uh, it's not a sales job on our part. You know, do what you want with the information. I'm just telling you, this is what I see. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes it's a very logical sort of extension. You know, we've had some clients that are kind of long-term, and, and it turns into a very logical extension. We'll work through something that may be kind of project-driven, but then it just kind of, the next step, presents itself everybody we look around everybody kind of nods their head and we just kind of keep on going so I think that kind of answers the questions on the continuation when you speak about the difference between training and development I think that's lost on a lot of organizations I think they need to pay more attention to it you can't train someone to be a CEO you can't train them to be a director if they're not you can develop someone who can become that but you can't train them you can give them all the knowledge in the world but Hell, we did that with books. You know, I could send them five, six books and say, inside these books is everything you need to know. Well, why doesn't that work? You know, it's just, it's not enough. People have to experience it. 
development takes training. Training is a component of development, not vice versa. Right. Right. Yeah. So training is one piece of development. Um, there's there's some form of mentoring and coaching that has to occur, and and ideally that occurs with their own managers, not someone from the outside. That's ideal. Frequently the time commitments aren't available. Sure. You know. So that's where external coaches come in. You know. The Socratic method of developing people, of teaching, is always the best. One coach, one learner, and they spend time together until that person knows everything this person knows. That's ideal. Yeah. Unfortunately, our business environment doesn't, financially, doesn't allow that much. So we reach outside for help. But I think training is a component of development, as is coaching, as is, um, as is practical hands-on experience, which they can only get inside the organization. Sure. Uh, uh, stretch roles. You know, going outside your comfort zone. All those are part of development. And, and I think we lose that sometimes. We really have to focus on development's a big deal. Training is a part of a big deal. Well, you, you touched on something that I think is really critical. And you use the word, you know, they bring us in as a test. And then from there, we decide if we move on. I, I would rephrase it because we've worked on mutual projects together in the past where they bring in because they don't know yet. They don't know if they can trust you. They don't know if... They're buying a trainer or someone who has a deeper well than, than someone just reading out of a textbook. And so trust being the key issue, do you, do you think that development can only happen once trust is built? Maybe training's a starting point? Well, I, I, again, short answer, yes. You know, I absolutely believe. Because I don't believe someone's going to change their behavior if they don't trust you. If they don't trust whoever's asking them to change a behavior, they're not going to do it. You know, which is, for example, if I coach someone, if, I, if we work with someone individually as a coach, it takes a session or two you know, before we start loosening up and get into a, a kind of a, a vibe, a process that works. And that's because we're kind of feeling each other out. Can I trust them to do the sorts of things that they need to do to change and improve? And can they trust me to, you know, to, to have their best interests at heart and, and, uh, and be honest with them and help them and you know, not berate them or beat them can so there's some buildup of that when you and you know this as well but when you facilitate sessions you know you walk into a brand new group they don't just like open up their arms and say you know teach me anything I'll do it you know it's not that simple you know there's there's a little proving ground that goes on sometimes lengthy sometimes not so lengthy until until they believe that you've got some of their best interests at heart you know the the very elements of trust that we teach when we talk about leadership apply in the consulting engagement as well. You know, they're testing to make sure that we have the competency. Are we smart enough? Do we really have the skills? I mean, I mean, okay, I sat down, you sounded like you do, and maybe I was even referred by someone who said you did, but you haven't been in my company. So are you competent to help me in my company or not? I don't know that yet, so there's a competence issue. Integrity comes into play. Do you do what you say you're going to do? Are you honest? You say you're honest with me. Are you really honest? Or are you just a pain? Are you just being a jerk because you can be a jerk? Or are you being honest with your feedback? And then finally, the empathy. Do you understand me? Do you understand? Can you put yourself in my shoes to understand my situation well enough and convince me that you want to help? So I think those components of leadership trust also apply in the client consulting uh, engagement as sure. well. If I own a company and, and I decide, okay, I, I know I need some help, but I'm not really sure what, if I go out there and Google search management consulting or leadership or whatever else, man, there's a plethora of people and it seems like they do everything. Do you 
do you specialize in area area or what is it that you do and more importantly i guess what do you not do because do we specialize in everything <laughs> yeah because that's that's what it seems like when i go on the internet everybody does everything they can fix any problem that i have uh you know is that is that real <laughs> no and everybody knows it isn't why do they still fall for it who believes that someone can do everything if they did hire them whatever they cost <laughs> hire them you know bring them up, force them to become an employee of yours whatever the cost because if they can do everything you need them on staff of course not and but we're i think what holds us out a little bit different is we're pretty we're pretty serious about what we don't do so if the if the end result if where we're headed is not a challenge that can be impacted by leadership uh chances are it's probably not probably not for us i mean that's not our wheelhouse um, i've certainly referred a lot of potential clients to other consultants and i've actually uh, referred current clients to other consultants uh, you and i know that well i yeah. mean so it's it's when you get outside of our wheelhouse we're quick to raise our hands and say, oh, we're not doing that so one of the reasons that that it it makes our job easier you know we get really good at what we do and and we're probably really bad at all the things that we don't do so if we don't do them we don't say we do them to win-win plus we don't learn on your dime you know are there things that i could do Certainly. Are there things that we could do? We all have got skill sets. We're reasonably smart people. So if you gave me a challenge and gave me enough time and continued to pay, then I could probably figure it out on your dime and, and, and help you somewhat. I don't think you want that. You know, find somebody who doesn't have to learn on your dime. So we kind of stick to our wheelhouse pretty well. I'd love to say it's just for the client's benefit, and there's a huge thing there, but it's for our benefit as well. We stay current. You know, we know what's going on in our space. And you can't do that if your space is everything. Yeah. You know, I can't study the internet. I mean, it's, it's just too big, so I, I have to narrow it down some, so we do. So we, we, we focus pretty tightly on the sorts of things that we do, and we don't deviate too far from it, which is why those initial conversations are so important, because it's important to understand where we think we can help and where we can't. Yeah. Uh, we can't help everywhere. Well, your firm is in Houston, based out of Houston, but do you just work in Houston or do you work all over? I wish. I mean, we work all over. So, you know, I mentioned we're geographically separated. We just all recently got everybody in Texas. The final holdout was in the D.C. area and he's, he's moved down to the Austin area. So we've got everybody in Texas, but we have clients in we coast to coast right now. We've got California clients. We've got Midwest clients. We've got East Coast clients, D.C. area clients. Texas, Atlanta, I mean, we're, we're kind of all, they have airplanes, you know, and the airplanes have flights and, and flights really aren't that expensive. And when you consider the cost of correcting a challenge that's significant enough for you and I to have a conversation, a little airfare and hotel is, shouldn't, is probably not gonna stand in your way, uh, as it shouldn't. I mean, if that's the only thing standing in the way of, of a potential solution to your challenge, you know, it's, you've got bigger challenges than. When organizations bring you in, do you, do you get delegated over to the training and development budget? Do they typically, you know, most companies don't have a leadership budget, so how do they decide where the revenue is going to come from or the, the monetary side to do what you do? If you're talking to the right person, it's seldom a budget issue. Seldom. It can be. I don't want to say it never occurs, but it's seldom a budget issue. If you're talking to the right person, the person who's got the authority to hire you uh, to, do, to do what you do, 
uh, the chances are their challenge is significant enough to where they could probably deviate from some pre-planned budget that they have. So the budget is of less concern. You don't do beauty contests. And sitting here across from me, I understand why you don't. But <laughs> besides that, you know, when you say you, you don't enter beauty contests, what, what do you mean by that? What does that mean? We've gone to great lengths to express ourselves as a very specific firm doing very specific things. You know, we're good at what we do. Our references will say that. You know, the, the fact that about 70% of our business is repeat business, that, that attests to that. If you're shopping and you want to talk to three or four firms, I'm not telling you what you're doing is wrong. I'm saying I don't think you've thought it all the way through yet. And the reason I say that is what you ought to be concerned about is can I find somebody who can fix my challenge? If your challenge is such a simple challenge that four or five people can easily take care of it, we're probably not the right firm anyway. So, you know, I'd probably disengage from the process just because you don't need me uh, or our firm. The reality is, if you want to talk to four or five firms, my suggestion to you, as we're talking and you tell me this, would be, I think you should do that. Go ahead and speak to your four or five firms. And if it works out, great. I'd like to stay in contact with you. We'll chat over time. I'll see how things are going and maybe we can connect some other time. Maybe not. Maybe we can just be colleagues. I'm okay with that as well. Call me if I can answer something. Call me if I can help. Uh, but if it doesn't work out, then reach out and call me. Let me know. You know, let's have another conversation. Maybe I can help. If I can, I will. But I, I, I have very little interest in, in engaging in what I call beauty contests. And I'll tell you why. I run a business. I said at the beginning, that one of the key different differentiators is, is Triangle Performance is a business. We run it that way. We're not a hard gun. We're not a single person hoping to, you know, buy groceries next week. You know, we run a business. True story. Never talked to a CEO who was going to interview in depth four or five consulting firms for a single engagement. Never seen it, which means they've delegated that process to someone else. That someone else probably has the authority to say no, does not have the authority to say yes. Their criteria for selection may or may not align with whoever the real decision maker's in. I hold out for the decision maker, not because I've got a big ego or something, but because I need to talk to the person, ethically, I need to talk to the person who's got the issue, the challenge. I don't need to talk to third party who may or may not understand them completely. They may say, I'm looking for training, and I might not be able to, to get to the real details, what the challenge is, what the pain is. And if you just want someone who does training, I'm sure you could Google price list consultant or something and, and find it. But uh, I think it works better for me. Keeps frustration off my end, keeps frustration off your end. So. Yeah. If I'm a novice or I, I run a manufacturing firm, have a friend that tells me, hey, you need to hire a consultant, and I just Google consulting firms on the internet, man, it's confusing. It's, I, it's hard to understand their language, first and foremost, and how to separate them. So do you fall under the bucket as consultant, or <laughs> how would I find you if I was looking for what your firm does? Well, short answer is yes, we are consultants. Um, but we're not, probably not a typical firm. And I, you know, every firm probably says, well, we're not typical, but I mean, we're really not. So I mentioned earlier that we tend to, not tend to, we're experienced. We've got years under our belt. We've sat on the side of the desk that the client or potential client is talking to us has. We've sat in that chair. So that sets us apart already. We don't, no one's learning on your dime. We don't have a junior consultant who's, who's going to come in and we're going to bill a little bit less, but still a whole lot you know, and let him learn on your dime, we don't do that. Two, you want a report, you better send a clerk with me, you know, because you're not going to get it from me. You want reports, go get yourself a different firm. I've never seen a report 
actually change the value of an organization. So you want to report, go somewhere else. We're there to actually execute things, act, do things, help you do things, recommend, advise, fix. Not there to make reports. We're not academics. Uh, certainly, we know we, we call on theories that we call on real theories and some, some academic research and stuff because some of it has real value. It has real value in helping people like us make it applicable or relevant. It doesn't have value me sitting down trying to teach people a certain theory. There's just no value there. So, we're not academics. We use some academic information. We're not theorists. We use theories, but we use them to create something relevant that makes a difference, provides value for a client right then and there. This episode of the High Performance Leadership Podcast is brought to you by 360 Solutions. So maybe Kevin's talk has you thinking about starting your own consulting firm. Where do you start? Remember this clip from Kevin's chat? We do have content that we use. You know that very well. Yours. Kevin and hundreds of other consultants use leadership development content from 360 Solutions to successfully help companies move from chaos to stability to high performance. Visit 360solutions.com for more. That's 360solutions.com. The High Performance Leadership Podcast is also sponsored by Principles of High Performance Leadership, the book by Chip Wilson. The first 100 people to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast get the book for free. That's right, free book. Go to 360solutions.com for more information. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Make sure and subscribe via iTunes, give us a rating, and leave us a review. Tell everyone you know to do the same thing. The more subscriptions, ratings, and reviews we get, the higher iTunes rates us. Visit our website at hpleadershippodcast.com, tweet at us at twitter.com slash 360 underscore solutions, and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 360 solutions LLC. That's all together, no spaces. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.